Hi, so I wanted to provide my thoughts on the latest systematic review that turned into a best practice guideline from uh, Morrissey on the management of plantar heel pain. I think the number one thing I would say at the start of this is definitely have a read. Definitely, this is one of those papers where I think it is incredibly um, helpful to sit down and actually read the whole thing. It can't be really easily summarized. And what I think that they've done is a really, really good way of producing a guide where they've done a systematic review of all the literature and then they've gone and gotten out expert clinical, re, um, expert clinical or clinicians to actually come in and then help make sense of the information that's coming out of the systematic review and also talk to patients about what they value from treatment. And I think this is actually a really, really well-rounded way of doing it because it's exactly how we're going to try and practice evidence-based medicine, which is when we do a systematic review, we're only gonna be able to pick out uh, and review the information that's out there. And what they identified is, is there's actually not a lot of evidence out there um, discussing things like evidence um, exercise-based interventions. There's not a lot of evidence out there. Um, and, there's, and there's some issues with that as well in terms of when we apply an um, exercise-based program, we're not able to personalize it um, and still maintain a high quality of evidence. So if we're going to take someone with any sort of condition and provide them a rehab rehabilitation program um, just for with just exercises, um, it's all gonna be very personal to them is where if we take a group of 100, 200, 500 people and we all give them the same program, that program's gonna have um, issues because it might be underloading for some, overloading for others. Uh, some, a lot of people might not do it because they don't see the relevance to their life um, or the relevance to, to what they're doing, how it's gonna help them get better. There's a lot of factors. The other thing is, is there's not a lot of um, you know, other information on other um, common treatment plans. And they haven't done, for example, with injection therapies, there aren't any good uh, randomized controlled trials for things like corticosteroids and, and platelet-rich uh, plasma, even though they can readily be shammed. Um, so there is just not a lot of information out there. In comparison as well, what they identified was there's actually quite a lot of information about extracorporeal shockwave therapy, which also isn't surprising given the fact that you can standardize the dose it's easy to apply um, and, and do. You can get that treatment out there and apply it to people. It's got, you know, often, well, it's not really that, that invasive in comparison to injection therapies. So it's an easy thing to test. So there's a lot of information out there. And also the fact that it was showing positive um, results in early clinical trials. It's easy. It's um, had obviously had a lot more backing to then get further trials done. So, that being said, what, what, did they, what did they identify? Um, well, they identify a core approach based on the, the information they did have. Um, so we've got a core approach, which is really about education and individual assessment. So there is um, definitely a lot of information they've gotten from the patient perspective that shows uh, some misunderstandings about what the condition is and what the condition means. And so education forms a big, big component because if people are operating on uh, false assumptions, I've got a literal bone spur in my heel, 
And the only way to get rid of that is surgery, um, or it's never going to heal. I'm always going to be there with some sort of pain unless I get surgery and I don't want surgery. What, what's that going to do? And how's that going to guide someone back to better health? How's, how are we going to guide someone to moving more or moving comfortably? And that sort of shows a potential pathway down to kinesiophobia and, and, and pain catastrophization. Um, then the other core approach was the core part of the core approach was taping and plantar fascia stretching. These had the greatest uh, effect sizes, uh, but they also work as well being cheap uh, and or, or almost no cost um, and um, easy to do, easy to recreate. And especially when we think of a acute bout of plantar, plantar fasciitis, plantar heel pain, whatever you want to call it, it's it works as a case of, well, is this, is this something we can implement quite easy? And this is something that we can then um, build upon if needed, because it is cheap, easy, and, and, and um, effective. If people aren't responding, then we've got these other options as well, where we start to talk about managing load, pain, more pain education, so specifically about um, addressing some of those components where education uh, might not, initial education might not have um, uh, gotten through, so you know, the pain has persisted and that they need more specific reasoning why, well, you know, it hasn't got, it's not getting better, but these are things we need to consider and how this, you know, we're going to keep this treatment plan going. We can look at footwear, we can look at orthotics, um, we can look at a lot of different sort of components of how we can then start to build that treatment plan. And I think that's the strength of involving um, the clinicians, because there is this lack of um, lack of evidence in terms of providing the same amount of um, research into all the different interventions, into all the different components that could go into a treat treatment plan. And so, how do we navigate that sort of uh, mess? And I think that's where we've we've sort of gone downhill. Previous uh, systematic reviews on things like, for example, orthotics for um, heel pain, you know, we've got two systematic reviews, which when done um, with not so much similar, exactly the same sort of methodology, but when it's using similar studies have come to two completely different conclusions. One that there is, you know, some evidence for, for their use and that there's no evidence and they shouldn't be used at all. So we can end up often quite confused. So in one document providing that guidance, in one document then going, okay, then how will we, we systematically apply this information? How do we create a, a plan that then can be used for individualized treatment of people, I think is, is incredibly appropriate. Um, often because then, you know, when we, when this gets communicated to the public, we often end up with this big stick. Orthotics do work, they don't work. Shockwave works, it doesn't work. Or stretching works, it doesn't work. And we end up with this big stick rather than figuring out how we're gonna build, build things up. So I, I think really the, the main um, things that I can add uh, to, this, to, to this study um, after you know, while while reading through it, uh, and and like I said, I encourage everyone to actually read it. There's a lot of really good information in there, and this shouldn't substitute for reading it. Um, but I think there's a few things that I can point out which I think would be quite helpful. One of them is pretty much every single measure of benefit from a from the uh, any of the treatments that that were that were assessed in the systematic review is actually a qualitative. Uh, or some form of qualitative measure 
that was then turned into a quantitative one. So what I mean by that is we look at foot function index, um, the foot health status questionnaire, the lower extremity functional scale, foot and ankle ability measure. These are all questions that we that have been asked of the patient and then they've asked to fill in some sort of a questionnaire or a form response, which were then turned into a, um, into a number to then actually then rate and compare it against each other. This is really good process for an RCT. This is a really good process for comparing lots of information uh, across lots of different people, which is what we need in, in science. But what it also does is it also potentially obscures the fact that when we are with our patients in front of us, when we are talking to them, is this helping, is this not? We can look at some of these questionnaires, we can take some of these questions and we can take the information that they're giving us and use that to form part of our individual assessment and how we actually work and then plan. And I think that gets that gets lost sometimes when we're looking at evidence-based medicine is that actually realistically, we can just ask patients how things are going, how they're feeling, what's happening, is their function improving or not, and use that qualitative information as a guide. Um, the idea of these indexes is really, all these sort of questionnaires and measures is really to compare, but we, you know, we also know that, that from a lot of this, that there is a lot of um, treatments that have really similar results. I mean, we look at other conditions, patellofemoral pain syndrome, we know that you know, nearly everyone got better, whether they got strengthening, foot orthotics or both. So we've got, we know we've got from these sort of tell us that you know, there are a lot of people that get better, but we can also not get allured by the number because it's an average. And there are some people in there who won't do as well with some treatments and will do better with others. So you understanding that the studies are really actually just asking these people these questions and then recording it in a number and that we can actually be going to patients and going, hey, how are you going with this? How are you feeling? What's working? What's not working for you? Um, there's patients that we will see that will fall through the cracks of those studies and we can use their responses as guidance, not just sort of saying, okay, well, actually, you know, the, the foot orthotics is, is, is the way to go or the, the, the strengthening program or the stretching program or the taping, this is the way that, that way that has to go. We've got heaps of different options and just because one potentially is slightly better in the long, uh, in this study than others, we've still got to remember there's anomalies and people that have fallen through um, because it's averaged. When we look at um, the actual evidence and the recommendations itself, um, while there is a lot of evidence for shockwave therapy, the big thing is, is that it didn't outperform stretching, at least in acute pain. So, and, it, and the shockwave has been shown to be helpful at all stages, but it hasn't, it's one, it's been the one that's most studied. We haven't studied the other things in comparison. And, and, and two, it's a very specific intervention that doesn't um, do the other parts of, of a full rehab program. So while you might be able to reduce someone's pain, perfect, that's really, that's really good. It didn't outperform stretching initially, so it's probably not something we would jump straight to. Um, but it's also something that then we have to combine most likely with another sort of treatment therapy because if we're just focusing on taking away someone's pain, um, and then hoping that they get better, I would want to be doing it with something else. I would want to be adding it with some sort of rehab. I'd be wanting to get them moving, get them doing something more, because if they just have this message of, come in, we can take your pain away, what's that going to do for them long term? Are we going to teach them that actually, you know, when we look at the evidence when it comes to understanding pain, that you know there is some level of 
we do need to potentially push them into pain. We need to expose them to, to activities that are going to create pain. And focusing on this idea that pain's bad, come in, we zap it away, might not always be the best message and the best understanding for people to take away from our therapy and potentially where we end up with these sort of recalcitrant clients coming back just looking for pain relief and looking for, for how do I get this going to go away? Well, we've, we've created that that sort of monster in a way because if we're just focusing on, on, on getting their pain away and not focusing on getting them moving. Um, orthotics did have some good um, short to medium term um, effects, small issues with, uh, there are some issues again with, with comparing orthotics to sham and uh, personalizing the, the orthotics as well. This is where that understanding, you know, when patients come in, they're like, I feel like I need this, or I feel like I need that. These can be good questions or good things to follow up on where orthotics can be personalized and helpful. Um, but they're definitely, I think what this is highlighting is there's lots of other things that we can be doing in the short term before we're jumping straight to orthotics. Does this mean that, that we have to go through all of those steps to, to get to an orthotic? I think it, it depends on the person and what, we're, and, and, and what we're dealing with. And this is where that individual assessment comes in. Someone has come in, they're six months into heel pain, they feel like they need something in their shoes, they're, they understand that, that what, what orthotics do and what they don't do and the, the relative, the risk that it, or the fact that it's, it's unlikely to be the sole thing probably by itself and that there are potentially other things to try but they want to go with it. You know, that, that's sort of the, the individual assessment, uh, especially when we're understanding that, that stretching um, is particularly good acutely. And, you know, we've already six months in. So it's sort of understanding that little bit of that, that nuance. And I think, yeah, the, the, I think that's probably the major points. I would be going through and reading the, um, the, the actual expert and patient um, responses in the study. I'd be thinking about the core approach, but also understanding the nuance behind that core approach. So is this for what exactly do those treatments do, the taping versus the plantar fascial stretching? And I think the big thing would be going in is then where do we take patients from there and where are different situations that we would potentially explore different options? Because I think one of the dichotomies of these uh, studies and um, the well, false dichotomies that these studies and, and, and reviews can often present is it's, and, it's, it's or, it's this is better than this. Um, but we definitely see that that you know when we have an orthotic or we have a treatment, we have this. There's some people, most a lot of people can do very well. Some people can do ah, eh, and there's a small amount that don't do well. So it's about figuring out a way that we can find those patients that are going to be falling through the cracks. Listen to what they're telling us and what they feel like they need or they don't need, or if they're confused, and then working through and saying, what if we try this? What if we try that? How do we build an approach specific to that person? What they're going to respond with? Because the studies are very much, and this is this is science. Science is focused on what is better than the other, because that's actually how we we, we reach results. That's how we do things systematically. But it's not how we have to practice. And I think that's that's one of the sort of positives that come out of this is this study is that they're starting to by saying, well, you know, this is shown that it's better than this. How do we actually then? put that into an approach? How do we actually create a way that we can use that information rather than just saying, this is the best, or this seems to work the best, and therefore everyone now gets this. 
because uh, I think that is the antithesis of a uh, patient-centered approach. And while that is the way that we have to study things in an RCT, you know, without a lot of bias, it's not how we have to practice.